Greetings, everyone. This is the Sound Health Options Direction for True Show with Richard Talk to Me Guy and Sherry Edwards. Good evening, Sherry. Good evening, Richard. I love doing this show, the Direction for Truth one, especially because we get to talk to people about their complaints and their lack of power and how they can get all that back. So we're going to talk about that this evening when we take on narcissists. And boy, do we have a bunch of narcissists trying to run this country because I just think they're out for control and power and greed. And that's the definition of a narcissist, isn't it? I bet everybody here knows a narcissist or have been or has been the victim of a narcissist. So we're going to explain more about that and how you can look at someone's vocal print and see if they are a narcissist. And we have some examples of narcissists that you will recognize and what is going on with them and how they easily take advantage of you. We should tell people that they can catch us at WebEx and watch the show or at Blog Talk Radio and listen to the show. And if you are only able to do Blog Talk Radio and listen, I am recording the show and I will be putting that up uh, probably tomorrow about 10 or so. It takes overnight to render it and edit it and, and all that. Our sponsor today, the Institute of Bioacoustic Biology and Sound Health. We do not have a narcissistic personality uh, profiler, but somebody suggested that we should. But I am certainly going to give people the frequencies to look for this evening. Um, What else announcements do we have? We're just starting uh, to put up our information about allergies and autism for our two-day free class for, this is March, April. You know, people say, what's wrong with it if you're going to give it away? It's true. I'm really giving this away because I think this is so incredibly important. We have been doing uh, public relations for years, and we started with the bottom up. We wanted this to go to the people first before anybody in control and greed and power people could get a hold of it and stop us. We wanted to do this like hundredth monkey thing and get it out to the people before they could kill it. So now we're starting this big campaign on breaking the sound barriers of disease. We're going to go from top down. We're going to go to print media and lots and lots of radio shows. So if you know of radio shows you think we should be on, please send us that information. Uh, We just got an invitation to do a show for Parkinson's Recovery, and we're going to give away the Parkinson's Commons software to any family or group that's working with Parkinson's so you can help us spread the word about PTSD or whatever else is going on that needs to change about our health. Richard, I just hogged the whole opening. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite all right. First, I'll remind people, although for this show, the audio from Blog Talk Radio, uh, you really, this is one of those shows where you want to watch Sherry run around the charts and talk about them. So you want to go to, for either of these, you want to go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the radio tab, 
And then for the video version, which Sherry will have uploaded probably by tomorrow morning, you can click on the Directions for Truth tab, and the link to this show on Blog Talk Radio to listen will be there. And by tomorrow morning, the link to see the webinar part that Sherry's recording will be there as well. And if you are wanting to listen to the show, you can find it again at Blog Talk at Sound Health Options Radio tab. Then click on the Blog Talk Radio Archive player, and or you can go to any of your podcast aggregators of choice and search for Sherry Edwards, and you'll find our almost over 600 hours of shows there. Wow! It's 6:47. I just looked at it the other day. Wow! Mind blowing. Plus all the other stuff we've done. Wow! It's a lot. And I will, before you start, I want to put up one thing, uh, a wonderful group. I'll put this in both chats as soon as I'm done. There's a great group called MomsAcrossAmerica.com. And they have quite a good organization. And I'm going to put up a link that talks about a lot of the studies that they're looking about. Glyphosate, one of our favorites, air quotes, favorites. And I'm also going to put up their link uh, they're really trying to get people. Uh, I'm going to send you a link to Facebook. Just don't take the quizzes. That's all I'm saying. I'm not going to get into a whole rant about Facebook. Just don't take the quizzes. Period. If you care, you know, tell two friends. Everybody, stop taking quizzes at Facebook. Um, they're running a campaign about really trying to get wanting people to comment to the EPA about the glyphosate. They're trying to get them to not re-register it for 15 years because that's what they're that's what the EPA is currently looking at doing. And since we know Scott Pruitt had to have a, a skiff built into his office so he could have private conversations with all of his uh, Monsanto buddies, that's in my opinion, it's totally an editorial comment, uh, but he has been known to have private meetings with heads of Monsanto. And so we really have to make a lot of noise because if they do re-register it, allow it used to be go forward, it's going to be registered okayed for 15 years. So we can at least get that number reduced to like five, or if we're really good and make enough noise, maybe we can get them to stop. Just stop the madness. So I'll put those both, both those links in both uh, the Blog Talk Radio chat and also over at WebEx. And we do have power. There's only, what, 500 and some legislatures and staff, but we are millions. And so we do have power in what we say and what we want. And I don't think anybody, with the exception of Ron Paul maybe, I don't think anybody would run for office unless they were into a power grab. Ron Paul's vocal print is one of the cleanest most truthful that I have ever seen. And you can catch that on our site, soundhealthoptions.com. So not only are we going to talk about narcissists uh, this evening, I'd like to bring your attention to our Bioacoustically Speaking keynote. And we put this up every week for people, and we also put a little saying up. The one this week is, the universe is not punishing you or blessing you. The universe is responding to the vibrational attitude that you are emitting. And we certainly are going to talk about that in several different ways today. We put this up every um, week, try to. It's about frequencies and atoms and how we have the control 
and how the universe was actually built from, they talk about the Big Bang Theory. Think of two pebbles in a pond close to each other, and they each make a wave and they bang into each other. Could that be the way that we were created? And we do have articles about this, about how frequencies together create matter, and we look at that in our music, that notes moving together or played at once create beautiful harmonic music. Richard, any more announcements? I don't think so. Okay. We've got I was on a rant, but I don't think so. Thank you. Oh, thank you for all the stuff about moms across America. That's great. Do you know any narcissists? Richard? No, not me. Um, I can think of a half a dozen without walking too far. And I and that's leaving out politics. Uh, just, yeah, do, people who are all about you, them. Do they make, it's all about them. There you go. It's to satisfy them. It's all about them. Very, very selfish people that we sometimes get in trouble with. Now, you can sort of divide the world up into givers and takers. And narcissists are takers. And they have to pal up with somebody who's a giver. And that usually leads to trouble because the giver gets taken advantage of. And we're going to talk about two kinds of narcissists today. Because I think there's one kind that is very, very beneficial. Narcissists lead us to enlightenment, but first they make us miserable. Why do you think I would say that, Richard? (laughs) Makes me laugh because it's just so true. I think they, I don't know, I think it's kind of the... uh, I always forget the character's name in the, uh, and I can't remember the name of the movie, but I'm certain somebody in chat can tell me. Uh, the wax on, wax off scene in the uh, Karate Kid movies, where it's, they just keep grinding away at you until you either surrender or you realize, wait a minute, that's just about you. And you just start having your own existence without them controlling it. Something well, that's like that. what we hope. We hope to share that with people. I, I think this, my opinions tonight. I think narcissists get a bad rap to a certain extent, because I think there's two kinds of narcissists: one a psychopath, and one a sociopath. A psychopath has no empathy. It's usually biochemical. And there's absolutely no hope for change. And you can see this in their vocal print. And it's when they have monoamine oxidase A. And you've probably seen a lot of that about criminals and that criminals lack this particular uh, biochemical or they have overabundance of it, uh, depends on genomes and proteins and whatever, but this is MAOA, and it is in the methylation database 
in that third circle for people who are practitioners. And this stuff is associated with antisocial disorders, lack of empathy. They have depression. They don't care one way or the other whether they make you happy or sad or whatever. And a lot of it has been written about people who are in prison. Now, this is a note of C. Its protein and its genome is all the note of C. And I said we were sponsored by the Institute of Bioacoustic Biology and Sound Health. I'm going to show you a little bit about how to tell if someone is a narcissist and then to show you how to get along with them or not. So this is... Uh, somebody that came here for a job, and we looked at her vocal print, and this is just a little nano that's at nanovoice.com downloads or just soundhealthoptions.com downloads. She has, as you can see, the note of A and A sharp and B, very heavy. If these were blocks, you know, it would tip over to the right. This is a person who's very concerned about others. Now, we look at Obama, and you can see his is tipped the other way. He's very heavy with C and C-sharp. And the proteins and the genome for this MAOA is C and C-sharp. Doesn't that show you that bioacoustics is just this mathematical world I think math is very predictable, and I think in some quadrants of the universe, anything predictable is a life form. So I think gravity is predictable, time is predictable, and we need to change some things about how we think, but that's another show. So I did this several times with Obama, and this one happens to be um, Benghazi, Let's see if we can find another one. Well, that's Susan Rice, and she's information narcissist. Okay, this is Obama about immigration. There's so much going on with immigration these days. And you can see a very, very high blue column. I mean, it's 118, and normal score is like 42. Note of C, and right on the border there of C-sharp. C-sharp is, I get my way. It's about fairness and justice. And these are very literal. You can see this goes way higher than halfway up. Also, his ego is very, very high. The note of C is about self. And we have C, C-sharp, D. That's all about self. And then the other end, A, A sharp, and B, that's all about others. So you can see at this point that you could look at somebody's vocal print, and if you're thinking about dating them or going into partnership with them, and they have very, very high C and C sharp, and there's some points where Obama has 700, over 1,000, and Hillary too of C and C-sharp. So back to political power, greed, and control. 
you know, I don't believe if those were not traits of humans that they wouldn't be involved in what's happening in our world today. Those people who are givers have some things they need to learn, and people who are takers have things to learn. So we're going to watch um, a small video uh, in a few minutes about how to get along with them, but I want to just add my two cents in. As a narcissist that is born genetically with this MAOA, the others are created by how their family treats them, their uh, caretakers, their enablers. By definition, a narcissist is a disorder in which a person has an inflated sense of self-importance. Their needs come first. They think whatever you do or say should be about them to please them. In other words, they're entitled and you're not. A narcissist doesn't, this is important, a narcissist doesn't care about you, only cares about themselves and deliberately makes you feel bad about yourself. But it is a trained trait unless you are the psychopath that was born that way. And I happen to think, uh, maybe wrongly, but I have 49 years of experience living with a narcissist, so I've found some tricks to get around this. And I think that narcissism is a gift to the people who are experiencing it, both as give and take, so that you can find your own power. Richard, if I had apples, only apples, would you come to me to get some lemons? <laughs> no, I would not. Why not? Or I'd come to you and say, but wait, how can you only have apples? Um, why would I waste my time? I don't mean that in a mean way, but I mean, why would I waste your time and my time arguing with you about why don't you have lemons when I know that all you have is apples? When I, when I see somebody growing grapes, I don't go and ask them, do they have avocados? I, you know, I mean, why would I do that? Well, think about this in the experience with a narcissist. What are they trying to do? They're trying to either take your power, they're exceptionally greedy, or they want control. And one of the things that living with a narcissist has taught me is how to li really listen to what people are saying as well as to what they are not saying. And people who come to me with a complaint so-and-so did such-and-such, that is a public complaint that they are out of power because somebody else is trying to take them. Now, substitute apples and power. Nobody would come to you to take power that you didn't have. They wouldn't come to you to take apples you didn't have. 
So neither will they come to you to take power unless they first acknowledge that you have it, but they don't want you to know it. Listen up. A complaint is a public statement that you're out of power. What mm-hmm. narcissists do is... Go ahead. No, no, I was just, just saying, I was thinking about... I was just humming that because I just had somebody recently was complaining about now that now that you've given me that framework, I'm thinking about what they were saying as being out of power because they were complaining about somebody they were working with, but it was from that narcissistic it's all about me because they're they're out of power. So that's a really good clue. People who realize that they don't have power or think they don't want yours. And if they can control yours, they feel more powerful. I'll give you an example out of my own life. My uh, two older girls were in high school, and they needed to do stuff from the newspaper, and they needed to read the newspaper to report the next morning. And my husband rarely came home before midnight, still um, still does, because that's just his thing. And he never wanted anybody to touch his newspaper. And our driveway is a quarter of a mile long. And the girls would get his newspaper and try to put it all back together. But he knew, and they would get a jawing about it, that they touched his newspaper. He was being totally unfair to what was going on in our household. These The kids needed to do lessons. So instead of yelling and screaming and, and he needs to be more compassionate and and caring about people, I went out and got another subscription. So for 50 cents a week, we kept peace in our household, but that wasn't the point. As soon as I solved the problem where the issue was not his power over the newspaper, he then thought better of it and said, well, he guessed it didn't really matter that they looked at the newspaper because they needed it for school. What was going on there? He needed the power. And when you confront narcissists with this, that, well, you just needed the power, or whatever, oh, geez, that's a very wrong thing to do because they're very touchy about this power, greed, control issue. They never want you to know it. They can dish it out, but they can't take it. And that's my number one how to uh, tell if there's a narcissist in the room. They can dish it out, but they can't take it. But what they are teaching us is preservation of our self-space, our self-ego. What a wonderful gift if you can just turn it around and make it about something other than the power that they're trying to grab from you. I remember, too, that narcissists can be taught because nobody's ever taught them the difference. They have lived with a family that gave in to them. Maybe they're the baby of the family or um, the oldest one in the family, or maybe they've had a partner before that always gave in to them. And my husband was standing by the sink, and, and he was... Um, it was trying to tell me something or I I did something wrong. And I always stood my ground with him. 
and that that made him mad. You know, if he said the dishes needed to be done or something and indicated I needed to do them, I, I would just invite him to do them and go on and just not take his um, complaints into consideration. I don't know why he ever stayed with me because I didn't pay much attention to his narcissism. But he was standing by the sink, and he stomped his foot at me, and he said, you're making me mad. You're making me mad. And I looked at him, and I said, and why should I care? You don't care if you make me mad. Let's make this an even relationship here. And the look on his face was, you're not here to serve me? I think that was a big turning point. Or when I say to him, I can give you permission to speak to me that way. Stand your ground. And what this comes to is if you want the person but not the behavior you are all mixed up. The person is the behavior. So you have another choice to make. Do you want to keep the behavior and put up with the abuse because you want the person so you haven't separated from the behavior? Or do you want to take the challenge and help them change their behavior to an equal one-on-one parallel kind of 56 I like 60-60 relationship and go on. But the biggest mistake I see with people is you want to keep the person because you want to be loved, but you don't want the behavior. You can't have it both ways. What that leads to is absolute complaints about how you're being taken advantage of. You know, and sometimes it's such a little thing. I remember one of the first times I asked my husband, "Um, can you tell me what time it is? And he said, why do you need to know? He was trying to take my power and make me answer to him. And I could have flown off the handle and called him all kinds of names and, and stupid or whatever. But here's a clue. Don't answer to them don't answer why do you need to know well i have to go to the store and i have to do boy they got you that is the first clue they want you to answer to them i said well that's a strange thing to to say back to me all i wanted to know is what time it was he was just flabbergasted that i would not bow down and tell him why I needed to simply know what time it is. That's such a simple thing. But can you see how power-tripping that is? Any response to that, Richard? No, I'm too busy learning lessons. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) No. I have a friend. When you plug it all in, that's great. Wow. I have a friend that said to me, I don't know why my boyfriend is treating me this way. And she gave me an example. And I said, well, if one of your renters treated you that way, what would you do? And she said, I'd just kick him out. And I said, well, why don't you kick him out? And she said, I don't know. And I said, it's because you want to be loved and cared about. Here's another big lesson. You cannot keep a bad relationship together 
no matter how much you try, nor can you keep, which side did I say? You can't keep a bad one together and you can't tear apart a good one. So why not take the chance? If you want this person to to care about you, then have them meet you on an equal basis. Don't put up with the hurt, the things they say to you. Maybe they don't realize it most of the time they do. But why would you put up with it? If you already know that you can't tear apart a good one, why not take the chance to say what you really want? And there is three things that can keep you out of a mess with this kind of a person. There are three three things I learned in college. The best three things in all of my up to master's and Ph.D. level work. Three ways to talk or respond to somebody. There's judgmental, there's evaluative, and there's descriptive. And if you stay descriptive, you won't get yourself in trouble. But by saying this, staying descriptive, you don't answer to people. Okay, Richard, I come to visit you and I say, oh, I'm really hungry. And you say, well, there's something in the fridge. We can uh, warm up a pizza. That You evaluated that you need to fill my desire. You need to answer to my need. Judgmental. Well, Sherry, you already weigh 300 pounds. Why would you want to eat? Again, that power tripping kind of thing. Put down, I'll get you something, but I don't really think you need anything. That's judgmental. How about descriptive? Well, when's the last time you ate? Four hours. Well, no long, No wonder you're hungry. You're not filling my need. You're just making a perception. You're bringing out the truth. You're not answering to me. So judgmental, evaluative, descriptive. Narcissists hate descriptive answers. And they hate you giving them back an answer that makes them answer to you. Can you tell me what time it is? Well, that's a strange way to answer me. Why would you answer that way? You gave the question right back. They deliberately sometimes hand you a problem to see if you can solve it for them. And they are saying, I trust you with this problem. Don't feel personally offended, but I want an answer. Again, it's back to they want something. This happened, uh, I just finished doing um, a presentation in Sedona, Arizona, and this guy who was about four feet tall and had long, stringy red hair, um, he and ball head on top. He really did look like a troll. And he came up to me and he said, "You're too ugly to be on stage." Now that's a pretty disgusting thing to say to somebody. And I know what I look like. Um, I'm average. I'm not ugly. Uh, what I was wearing wasn't ugly. And I thought he wants to trust me with something. He wants to figure something out. So I gave him back his own question. I said, well, what do you think I could do about it? He said, nothing. You look like my mother, and I hate her too. 
Whose problem was it? It was his problem. He came to me because he felt something in me would help him get through, get over, or he could express what he was really feeling. So these are just some clues. Think about, too, if somebody was hurting you and you were in physical pain, would you ask them to stop? Would you, if they were twisting your arm, would you grab your arm away and say, don't do that? Well, why do you put up with emotional pain? Remove yourself from the emotional pain, go up above it as the mediator and either give the question back, help them solve their own issue, meet them not in a challenging way, like what time is it? Why do you need to know? Tell me what time it is or I'll slap your face off. You know, that's challenging them. That's Go above it. Go beyond why they are treating you that way. They don't have any power or they wouldn't treat you that way. So when you power them back and they can win an argument with you, that makes them powerful. They sometimes are passive-aggressive. They are sometimes an enabler. You're the enabler. Passive-aggressive. Oh, could I make you breakfast? Sure. Can you make some eggs? And so they just burn it to no, um, no end. You like them soft. They, they make them hard over easy that you could throw across the room and bounce off the wall. They want to help you or they pretend to help you in that passive-aggressive way, but they want to do it on their terms and their time. If they can control your time, and I fell into this one the other day. I was cooking some vegetables, and in the microwave, and a ding-ding goes off, and I'm at the other end of the house, and, and my husband says, what do you want done with these vegetables? And I said, oh, I'll just leave them there. I'll get them. Um, but what do you want me to do with them? Well, just set them out. Set them out. Well, they'll probably uh, go bad. Well, just put them in the fridge. And still, I'm just meeting him descriptively where he is because he wanted to reprimand me for not being in the same room when the microwave went off so I could take care of this food. Now, he didn't have to. These vegetables weren't going anywhere. So he said, I really need to know what you want me to do with these vegetables. I said, well, why don't you eat them for me? Because that was my next step. (laughs) That just broke the whole thing loose, and he didn't need the power anymore. But see, just stay descriptive as to what's going on. Again, if I'd have said, well, just set them down and leave me alone about it, I would have fell right into that uh, two-year-old, which is, where they don't get passive, that even negative behavior is behavior that is attention. So always go back to look at why they need attention and know that they can't take it. And if you yell back at them, they got the attention they needed. They didn't get the lesson they needed. 
They also Mm. believe that you should be punished for your misdeeds. You drop this on the floor. Well, that's a good observation. Keep it descriptive. Well, are you going to do something about it? Uh, Well, you noticed it. Uh, Would you pick it up for me? Then that'd be nice of you. You know, you just back them in the corner with that descriptive talk. And one of the things that my husband said to me early on, because he's a bully or tried to be a bully, and he was raised that way, that he could get his way by being a bully. And he actually said to me, if you loved me, what makes me happy should make you happy. And I turned around and said, and the reverse is also true. If what hurts me should hurt you. And he didn't get that other side. And sometimes you just have to point it out that they're being incredibly selfish. One of the things I want to bring up here, there are um, eight signs. Uh, This is a Psychology Today article. Eight signs that you're in a relationship with a narcissist. And one of them is you're there to satisfy them. They are not there to satisfy you. A partnership, even a sexual partnership, is not reciprocal. It's one-sided. Excessive focus on physical over emotional. You exist to serve their needs. And I can hear a lot of people saying, yeah, yeah, that's it. So if you're there to constantly serve their needs and your needs don't get done, don't get taken care of, I will put this in the chat for people and also in the information about the show that's on our site Uh, eight signals, constant put-downs in almost any relationship. If they can put you down, they'll try it because that's a power trip. It's designed to hurt you. Uh, Okay, I'm getting a message here just a minute. Um, It's designed to hurt you so that you will feel like feeding them pleasing them, and if they're putting you down, it's not an equal relationship. Get away from it or take some steps to teach them how to behave better. It may be good in the beginning, but they only do that to get you hooked. So back to degrees of you have to stand your ground and It's probably the hardest in a personal, sexual, loving relationship than any other place to stand your ground. I got a letter, because last week we got all messed up and we didn't get to present this, but I got a letter from a person who said we've been married for 15 years. And he said to me, he broke my heart, he said to me that I was not attractive anymore. He was not attracted to me. Then, several months after she's just devastated, several months later, he finally admitted 
that he had gone to the doctor and his testosterone was really, really low, and he didn't want to admit that to her because he didn't want to be seen as less than masculine. He would rather her think she's totally unattractive than for him to admit that he had a biochemical issue with low testosterone, which controls your sex drive. That, to me, was really dirty, if you just look at it on the surface. It was despicable. But if you rose above both people and looked at, okay, what is the cause that he sees her as unattractive? I happen to know her, and she's very attractive. That couldn't be the reason. There had to be something else going on. He was either having an affair, he had diabetes or something and that would totally deplete the sex drive, he had low hormones, something. Looking above the hurt, that is, um, that's hard to take. But go back and look at how you're standing your ground to be equal because the longer the unacceptable behavior goes on, the more it will continue, the more it'll be harder to back out. And there are degrees of narcissism, and I think all of us have some degrees of narcissism when we want something or want our way. And even with animals, this happens. With animals, there's these um, trials of behavior that they teach you about in psychology. If you reward an animal a few times for something, pushing a bar and, and they get a nugget of food or something, and then you stop rewarding them, they will push, 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 push that panel to try to get that food. They'll still continue. So just like it says in this article about uh, eight ways to tell if you're in a bad narcissistic relationship, you keep trying to please him because he's acted pleased a couple of times and now he's not. So he's put you in a position. And this could go either way. You know, I'm saying he, but it, it could be either way. You continue with the behavior of give, 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 give. This is what a narcissist depends on, this conditioned behavior to us as animals. And there is a book I highly recommend. I'm putting it up on the screen now. It is Why Does He Do That? Inside the Minds of Angry and Controlling Men by Lundy, L-U-N-D-Y, Bancroft. Now, this is what, why does he do that? But you can open this anywhere, and it's a he-she thing. I've seen it happen on both sides. We have asked him on our show several times, and he wants $10,000 to be on the show, so go buy the book. Most of the time when people are in a relationship, and just like my friend who didn't want to rock the boat, they want to be loved. And I have five things that I have given out to people, lots of people in different ways, that will help you find compatibility in a relationship. Six questions. I said five, but it's six. 
if you write these down and you can share them in a legitimate, open conversation, not a manipulative one, talk about this. You can see whether or not you are compatible with the other person around you, the one you want to be partners with. One, what do you do to show people you care about them? Two, what you do to show people you don't care. Three, what actions, behaviors, or words indicate someone cares about you? Four, what actions, behaviors, and words indicate that someone doesn't care about you? Just to you, because these can be totally different for different people. One person can say, I do this to show I love you. And she may say, well, I take it as you don't care at all. Five, a list of things you do for those you love. And then six, a list of things you do for yourself. And then compare five and six. Because the beginning is where you are loving yourself. You know your foundation. And without your foundation, you will flounder in trying to find somebody who matches up what your needs are unless you can describe them and know what they are and lay the foundation of I will have a relationship with that person. And I've written those down. They're up on the screen. And there's another one. Would you tolerate your friend being treated the way your partner is treating you? There are some things that you would take on yourself, but you would see it as something totally unacceptable for a friend. And one of the things that when people say things to me that really stops them in their tracks is, did I give you permission to talk to me that way? And we're going to watch a little film. It is only, I think, five minutes long or so. Well, let me introduce these other things first, and I'll put them in chat, because I don't have time to, to go through all of them. Ten signs your coworker is a narcissist and how to handle that. And I'm putting that in chat. Ten things that terrify a narcissist to their core. Rejection is one of them, and that's when you meet them head on and don't look at um, above the relationship. These are things that th they are trying to say to you that this is why they're trying to take your power. They don't have any of their own. Getting old and aging, losing success in a career, death, exposure of a lie of some kind, being disrespected, being ignored, being made fun of, abandonment, rejection, someone taking their spotlight. Boy, that's a big one. When they constantly interrupt you with their own stuff and they can't even listen to what you're trying to say, 
that is a sure sign that those people are out of power. And I'm putting the article in the chat. Here's a bit of information about MAOA and what it is in a, a sociopath. And remember how you can see it, the C and C sharp. Remember, too, those persons that interrupt you usually have high E for words, my words first. They usually have low D and D sharp, meaning they lack empathy and self-assurance. So those are the other articles that I was going to share. Here's a couple of things that this lady is going to talk about, and I'll give you a list in a few minutes. Narcissists cannot tolerate others feeling good. They only feel good when you feel bad. Now, that's the extreme. Not very many of them are to that total extreme. They um, don't like threats or somebody coming for their power because they want to be in control, in total control of you or and them. And that's one of the sure ways that you can uh, come at them. But it undermines their confidence. I think I need to go back one. Um, so that's one of the things you want to keep from doing if you decide to retrain them. And it's not easy. It's taken 49 years. But when they've learned their lessons, both of you, you're either going to fall away from each other, can you stand that, because both of you have learned your lesson, or are you going to have a compatible, equal relationship? I would vote for the latter, but we're all here because we're imperfect. I think electrically, biochemically, if we were perfect, we'd spontaneously combust bust, and we wouldn't be here. So remember that their motives are to take your power, to take control, and because they're greedy, they've never got out of the terrible twos. I want what I want, and I don't care who else wants it. It's going to be mine. Remember the three issues, judgmental, evaluative, descriptive. And I think we're going to end the show with this lady's very wonderful description Five key phrases to disarm a narcissist and reclaim your control. Elisa A. Romano here, the Breakthrough Life Coach, and today I've been asked to do a video by a YouTube viewer who asked me point blank, listen, Lisa, I, li I live with a narcissist. I have to deal with this every day. Can you just give me a couple of key phrases that I can use to, like, push him off balance? And I thought... Sure, I could give you some of the key phrases that I've used during my life. One of the things that I want to make clear right here, right now, is that we cannot control someone else's reality. We don't have the right to control someone else's reality. We don't have the power to control someone else's reality. We really have to work very hard at changing our programming because what we don't understand is that very oftentimes we're upset because someone else has a perception of us that we're uncomfortable with. And we challenge that person's perception of us. We're upset that people think this about us, whatever, whatever it is. And something absolutely amazing happens 
when you begin to accept that other people are allowed to have their own faulty perception of you. So let me get to the key phrases that I would like you to start experimenting with because I think they're so much fun. Once you start using them and you see how you can push a narcissist off balance, it's just amazing. It can actually be fun. So the first one is, I'm sorry you feel that way. So imagine what happens when you are dealing with a narcissist who is saying, I know why you did that, and I know why you said that, and you said that because of blah, 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 blah. I know what, because narcissists know everything. They know exactly why you did what you did, right? Of course they do. So imagine what happens inside a narcissist's head when you, can, when you come back with, I'm sorry you feel that way. That completely throws them off balance because they're trying to engage you. They're trying to get you to defend yourself. But when you just stand there and understand they have a right to see you the way they want, want to, and you can't control it, and you come back with, I'm sorry you feel that way. Imagine what's happening is you are, you are disarming him, arming him or her, and you are disentangling yourself from this dynamic that is going to go nowhere fast. Another fabulous thing that I like to say to disarm a narcissist is, I can accept your faulty perception of me. <laughs> it is absolutely phenomenal when you announce to the narcissist that I am acknowledging that you have this weird, whacked-out perception of me, and I can accept it. Because what they're trying to do is engage you in not accepting their reality, not accepting their reality of you. So when you say, I can accept your faulty perception of me, you are cutting the psychic cords to this narcissist, and you're letting him or her know that you're not going to be manipulated. Like, whatever they think and feel is perfectly okay with you. The third thing that I like to say, if I ever have an exchange with a narcissist, is I have no right to control how you see me. It's very much like I can accept your faulty perception of me, but when you say I have no right to control how you see me, you're actually, you're driving home the point that you are acknowledging that they see you in a way that you don't agree with, but you're absolutely okay with that. So when you say I have no right to control how you see me, you're actually saying, so imagine if a narcissist has a hook inside of you, you're actually saying, um, no. I have no, no right to control how you see me. You're allowed to see me any way you want. You see, we get caught up because we, we hear what the narcissist is saying, or they rewrite history, or they gaslight us, and they tell us that we didn't hear what we heard, or they didn't do what they did. And when we finally start saying, well, I have no right to control how you see me, or I have no right to control your perception of this situation, you're actually telling the narcissist that I'm not interested in engaging in this warfare and what you think is totally fine, and I'm, not, I'm just not going to go there anymore. The fourth thing, key phrase that I like to use on the narcissist is, is, I guess I have to accept that that's how you feel. You see, it's all about accepting and allowing this person to be who they are and accepting and allowing this person's perception of you, even though it bothers you and even though it hurts like hell. But when you send a clear message to a narcissist that I guess I have to accept how you feel or you're entitled to your reality or whatever, when you start using key phrases like this, the message to the narcissist is, uh-oh, she's not willing to play the game. 
The fifth key phrase that I like to use on a narcissist is, your anger is not my responsibility. Now, the reason that's so important is because so many times a narcissist will attract an empathic person, male or female, and normally codependent person, someone who is seeking validation from outside themselves. Now, I feel that narcissists seek power and control over, which on the, on the, on the superficial level that might look like validation, but I think they're actually looking for power and control. And they feel validated by the other person when they are able to manipulate and control them. And codependence is seeking validation. So it's a beautiful blend. You know, it's a hand and a glove, a narcissist and a codependent, or a narcissist and an empath. You know, in these dynamics, there's only room for oneself, and that's the self of the narcissist. And both people are focused on the one person, which is the narcissist. The codependent or the empath is worried about the narcissist, and the narcissist is worried about the narcissist. And also, we suffer as the codependents and empaths. We're afraid to make people angry. And narcissists know this, and that's why they get loud, and that's why they will shut down, and that's why they'll ignore us, and that's why they'll withhold from us because they know that as a codependent and empath, we need to feel that connection. So when you say things, when you send, start sending these new messages like you're, you're allowed to feel what you feel, you're entitled to see me how you want, blah, 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 and you also add to that, your anger is not my responsibility. You're letting the narcissist know that you're not going to allow the fear of what they think about you to control you anymore. And that is powerful. So that's it. Those are the five key phrases that I want you to really practice and take home and write down in your journal and practice them and practice them and practice them. Say them out loud. You know, so that it begins to fall off your lips. Allow people to be who they are, even the narcissists in your life. That doesn't mean that you have to engage them. It doesn't mean that you have to give them any, any space in your head. The narcissist can stay here, and you can stay there, and the narcissist can say what he wants, and you can stay here and hold on to yourself. You don't have to be manipulated anymore. You don't have to engage if you don't want to. And I hope these key phrases have helped you. And if they have, leave me a comment below. And if you can, if you feel so inclined, subscribe. One of the things that is happening here is this is you holding your ground. But if you feel so inclined, there's a couple of extra steps that you can take. They expect a fight. Give them a lesson in communication. Come out of the mode of me against you and ask them things like, should we talk about your need to control others, especially me? That's a really good one. It says, I'm not engaged in this fight. There is a problem. Do we need to talk about it? The other, that really hurt my feelings. Was that your intention? That really, it can close it off or it can really open it up um, to some painful yet growing steps and here's the one I want to leave you with if there's a narcissist in your life they don't I can't spell don't they don't care about you people who care about you don't belittle you or complain or put you in a position of no power they don't care about you. They care about how you can serve them. So remember, 
if this is a real relationship and it's going to last, you can't tear it apart no matter what you do. And vice versa, if it's a bad relationship, you can't keep it together. Narcissists will continue the relationship until you decide not to serve anymore. They've used you up. They'll throw you away. They didn't care. They cared about your service to them. So the best issue I can offer is give them a lesson in communication without getting involved in their power trips, their need to control, or their absolute greed about their place in the universe and their entitlement. Richard, any last words? I'm I'm not sure if it's yikes or wow. It's great material. <laughs> it's great material. I hope people are able to come to their own power. That was the intent of all of this because from there from our foundation then we can find our place in the world and I wish that for everybody thank all of you for being here I think this is the most quiet chat we have ever had there's probably less than 10 lines so I know this was important to you I will edit it this evening and get it up please share this with your friends I think a lot of them need it especially if they're coming to you to complain that's a good stepping point for a conversation about this. Thank you for being here. Thanks, everybody. That was great, Sherry. Thank you. And I know we have a show this Sunday. Boy, I can't tell it's you who awesome at the moment. I saw show. it earlier. I can't, oh, I can't oh, remember the can guy's the name. name? Right. I can't remember his name. But he says okay. that every cell in your body contains everything that's ever happened to you, and he's going to tell you how to get in touch with yourself. C-E-L-L-S. Yourself. Excellent. How to speak to your own self. That's, that's incredible. All right, everybody. Enjoy that material. If you want to listen to it right away again, because there's a lot of things that you can hear that you're not seeing, uh, you can go to Sound Health Options, Click on the radio tab, then click on the Blog Talk archive player about, I would say, 10 or 15 minutes after we end the show, which is going to be as soon as you hear the music. Okay, everybody, have a great week. Bye-bye. Later. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. 
In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.